And we're, we're, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of, of Christ. And uh, in, in, in that sense, uh, we, we know Easter to, to be that celebration uh, that, that not only did Jesus suffer and die to make payment for our sin, but then he rose from the dead to prove that we could and uh, that we would therefore be able to be a, a part or partakers of eternal life. And so we're going to look at that. And kind of in that context, I've, I, I've tried to put all of life and all of eternity in, in a nutshell for us this morning. And uh, because of that, in at least my simple way of looking at things, I believe there are only three kinds of people in this world today. Just, just three kinds of people. Everybody in this room fits into one of these three categories. And, and as we'll see this morning, I, I think Easter points this out to us. Three kinds of people. Those who are definitely, truly believers in Christ. Those who definitely are not believers in Christ. It's, it's one side of the spectrum or the other. And then the third type of person in the world today is someone who thinks they are a believer, but may not be behaving that way, may not be acting that way, may not be living that way. And so I, I think we all fit into one of these categories. We are either already firmly planted believers in Christ, those who at present at least are, are, are not believers in Christ, we're, we're, we're rejecting the offer that Jesus has for us, or sadly even, sometimes those of us who, who think we're believers, but if you look at our lives, you'd wonder where that shows up. Okay, so we're going to look at these, these three things, and I'm going to save the best for last. I'm, I'm going to save those who are believers, uh, be, because that, that's kind of the springboard as we, as we leave here this morning, uh, to be able to leave here excited and confident because we are believers, and then just kind of a, a, a hint, if, if, if you're here and, and you would say, uh, I you know, I believe in God, I believe in church, I believe in Jesus and everything, but I got to admit, I'm not at that place you're kind of describing. You could leave here today with that uh, in, in, in your life. Uh, personal note, um, I, I received Christ as Savior on an Easter Sunday uh, about a thousand and one years ago or so. And, 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 uh, but, but, you know, I, I, I just firmly can, can look back to that and say it was an Easter Sunday that I did this. And so that's, that's my hope and my prayer for, for everyone here. But the first thing we look at this morning uh, is those who think they're believers in Christ, but they're, they're not demonstrating it in their lives, you know. And, and uh, like one simple way of looking at it is, is kind of a, a joke or a story I heard a long time ago that, that, that someone came up to a person, let's say a co-worker comes up to this person and says, are you, are you a believer in Christ? And this person says, well, yes, I am. And, and they say to them, well, somebody should tell your face. Okay? Because, see, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in our lives. We are supposed to be the best thing going. And life is not always easy, but we're supposed to have the best outlook or the best take on life. But many times we just run around with, you know, 
a, a, a scowl or, 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 or a plain look. And, and folks really need to see this joy, this hope that we have in our lives. They need to see it on our faces. Uh, I, I, I read last night from a gal... Uh, that I know. She said she, she had g- gone through cancer. It's now 11 years ago. But she said when I was going through my chemo treatments and everything, she said I had this one nurse that for all those weeks, uh, three times a week, three days a week, all those weeks that I came in for my chemo, this nurse would come in and she always had this awesome smile on her face. And, and, and I never saw her without that smile. And she was such an encouragement and such a blessing and everything. And, and this gal was saying, now I'm trying that. I thought, I thought to myself, if she was that kind of an encouragement to me. Uh, and, and, and it was that smile on her face. She says, I'm going to try smiling most of the time. So she says, now, you know, like I, I go to Walmart and, and I'm shopping in Walmart and I'm walking around Walmart and I'm trying to smile the whole time I'm there. And she tells, she, she just tells me, she says, you know, that's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting trying to be pleasant, you, you know. And, and, and so, you know, I just want to encourage you today that, that we, have, we have the best thing going, uh, the, the, the best relationship uh, of any on this, this planet in Christ. And people need to see that. So, so sometimes we, we are believers or sometimes we think we're believers, but it never shows up in our lives and in our behavior and everything. So uh, a, a, script, uh, a scripture reference to that is Matthew 7.21. And uh, so, you know, this is kind of the first place we'll be. Uh, Matthew 7, 21. I'm going to uh, read this and then we'll begin with a word of prayer. Matthew 7, 21. Uh, Jesus is saying, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only he that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy by thy name, and by thy name cast out demons, and by thy name do many mighty works? And Jesus says, I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And uh, verse 24 there says, Everyone therefore that heareth these words of mine and doeth them, they are the true believers. And, and, and when we get to talking about our faith and our belief, we're, I, I'm going to try and give a simple definition of what it is to be a, a, a true believer in Christ. But can you imagine that? Somebody who spends all their life on this planet, uh, they, they are expecting to go to heaven. They're expecting to be there forever with Jesus. Some of them maybe don't have the faintest clue or the foggiest idea of spirituality, but others may even be well-versed in the scriptures and, and these kinds of things. And somebody like that gets to eternity and Jesus actually says, I, I didn't really know you, you know? Um, be, because, you know, like, I, I know lots of famous people, you know? I've, I've known presidents like, like Clinton and Obama and, 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 and Reagan, and I've known lots of celebrities and athletes. I know them, but they don't know me. So the best I can call that is a passing acquaintance, really. And we don't want to get to heaven and find out that the way we embraced Jesus or the way we treated Jesus was just a passing 
acquaintance. But the word says there is possibility of that. There is possibility of somebody, it says they even, they did mighty works, they cast out devils, they, they literally were involved in, in the church, in the work of the ministry, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Now, you, you might ask how that happens, and at least one way I could see it happen is, is if you knew Jesus in, in your understanding, but you didn't really know him in your heart. So I, I could see it play that way. Or, or further, the word says, if you're doing stuff for, for God, but you're not truly loving others, God knows that. Sometimes we don't even realize that. Or sometimes we, we try to fool ourselves or we try to fool God. You know, when, when I see news headlines of, of terrorist attacks or things like that, there, there are times I get mad and, and I, I start thinking in the flesh, you know, and, and just say, oh, God, if, if you just zap them, you know, get even for me, God, with them. And, and as I've said before, what we really need to do is just pray for justice. That, that God will, will do what's right and, and take care of things. But could you imagine getting to glory and Jesus saying, you know, I, I, I never truly knew you. And, and so that's someone who thinks they're a believer, but you don't see it in their lives. And I would encourage you today, if, if you know yourself to be a true follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, just challenge yourself. Do other people see that in me? Uh, do, do they see it when I'm walking the lake walk? Or do they see it when I'm shopping at Walmart? Or do they, do they see it at, at work that, that, that it's demonstrated in your life? So there are those that, that will face that challenge. Then there are those who simply do not believe in Christ. Many of us have friends like that. I, I've got friends that have told me throughout the years, I understand what you've got. I understand the choices you've made and the life you're living and everything. I get that, but I'm not ready yet. And they might even follow it up by saying, I'm having too much fun. You know, last week's hangover was too much of a blast, you know, for, for me to want to change my life and, and, and not drink anymore. But there are some who choose to reject Jesus' offer of salvation, his invitation to eternal life. And, 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 and so someone that would, would choose to not accept his payment for sin. John 3.18 says, He that believes on Jesus is not condemned, but he that doesn't believe in Jesus is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Of God. John 3.36, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. He that believes not on the Son shall not see that everlasting life. And uh, it's, it's up to each one of us as individuals to receive, accept that invitation that Jesus died for payment of my sin and then he rose from the dead to prove that we could as well have that eternal life. So we've tackled those who think they're believers, those who have chosen chosen not to embrace uh, Christ's invitation. And so we're going to follow everything up with those who are believers in Christ. Okay? And so uh, you come to church, you don't really care all that much 
about church or, or God or something like that. And now you're sitting here in this service and I'm talking to you about being a Christian. I'm talking to you about being a believer. I'm talking to you about being born again, you know. And you're sitting there wondering, what is he talking about? What does he mean by all of this kind of business, you know? And then sometimes the world doesn't want to hear you. When you're a believer and you want to tell an, uh, an unsaved coworker, you want to tell them that you're a born-again believer or a born-again Christian. And there were times I felt weird about that. I, I, I felt like, well, here I am talking to you and I don't want to sound like I'm going all King James on your face, you know? But, but one day I, I actually discovered Jesus himself said, you got to be born again. Find it in John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to talk to him, a religious leader, and he says, what's, what's this deal with eternal life? And Jesus tells him in John 3, he says, you've been born as a human being, but you're born into sin. Someday you have to choose to reject that sin and accept a life of holiness walking in Christ. And, and, and God says, that day, you're no longer just born of man or born of the flesh, but you become born of the Spirit. And as, as we look at some of these scriptures, what, what they're going to say is, is that a, a person who's not interested in God's gift of Christ, that person has within them only the Spirit of man. Now, the spirit of man is a wonderful thing, too, because, I mean, there's, there's a lot of love, there's a lot of compassion, there's a lot of generosity, there's a lot of wisdom and intelligence. So the spirit of man is, is a cool thing, but a spirit of man will get you nowhere eternally. And Jesus says, you've got to be born again spiritually. And the word tells us when that happens, we no longer have simply the spirit of man, but we have the spirit of God who comes and dwells within us. And so we start to see some of this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe what a believer in Christ is, okay? And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I, again, it's, it's important how God defines or describes this, more than how we define or describe it. Um, and, and, and you'll see some of it. Being a believer in Christ is more than just believing, because it's not hard to believe in your head. It's not hard to agree, you know, or, or to understand. But it's harder to believe in your heart. Because if you believe in your heart, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your behavior. It's going to change your perspective on things. We're not talking about somebody calling themselves a Christian, calling themselves a believer simply because they ascribe to the Christian faith. In other words, I'm not a Buddhist, I'm not a Hindu, I'm not Islamic, I'm not Jewish. I'm, I, I believe in Christianity, okay? Now, a person can believe in Christianity, but not be a true follower. And, and that's how we're, we're describing this. You know, it'd be like getting to heaven and... and, and, and saying to God, well, yeah, because I, I, was, I, I was a Christian back on earth. And God says, well, what does that mean? It says, well, I wasn't Jewish, and I wasn't Islamic, and I kind of like believed in Jesus. And, and God would say, well, so you have that understanding, but where, where was that displayed or, 
are, are shown in your life. So it's not somebody who simply believes in ascribing. It's about following the teachings of Christ. Some wanted to say that the definition of a believer is following the teachings of Christ. But it's not simply following Jesus' teachings. It is being subject to them or obedient to them. Because I know a lot about what Jesus teaches. But do I obey those things? You know? Uh, the, 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 the word says that, that I'm supposed to not be a liar or a thief or, 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 or something. And, and I know that, but does my life demonstrate that then? And, and so it's about obeying the teachings of Christ. And you know what Jesus taught Jesus taught the complete fullness of what the Word of God says, what, what the Bible says. You know, somebody might say, oh, yeah, you're kind of one of those Bible followers, you know. So it's, it's like whatever the Bible says you're supposed to do or not do. But, but what it is is following Jesus as Jesus really brought that to fullness, be, because, because Jesus didn't say, if you work on a Sunday, that's a sin and you're going to hell. What, what Jesus said is, is all of this is, is about love and relationship and obedience. It's, it's not about you can do this and you can't do that. So being a follower of Christ or, or a believer in Jesus is, is about literally being obedient to that which Jesus says to do, uh, or sometimes not do. Because the scriptures do talk uh, about those who don't get to see heaven. It says liars won't see heaven. It says drunkards won't see heaven. It says those who, who, who put up idols before God won't see heaven. It, 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 it says that uh, those who... Um, have sexual sin in their lives, won't see heaven. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in this room who has sexual sin in their lives, you know. But Jesus is very clear on what he expects to us. The, the easiest example I, can, I, I, I could cite would be don't have sex before you're married. That simple, you know? And so there's stuff God says. Here's, here's stuff that would, would keep you out of heaven, you know? And I don't say that to throw the fear of God into you this morning. Oh, oh no, that's, that's, that's kind of my life or, or something. Because God doesn't say these things so he can hopefully keep you out of heaven. God says them so your heart is open to that change. I had to give up drunkenness when I got saved because I loved to party. And I pretty much perfected the art. You know? I didn't go to church on Wednesday nights because I bowled. And when I bowled, I partied with the best. You know, we, we had all of our beverages right there bowling. And all the other teams in the league said of our team, you guys slosh to the line when you bowl, you know. And we'd close down the bowling alley, and then we'd hit the bar, and then we'd close down the bar. And then we'd go home, and we'd close down home when, when, when daylight came. I had to give that up. And I thought, 
I loved it. You know? Because, Lord, I, I, I love having a, a little buzz going and it makes me happy and it makes me friendly and I never get in trouble that way, you know? And, and I thought it was like the best thing going. And, and then one day it dawned on me, if I live this life, I don't get to go to heaven. I don't even get to argue with God about it. Because some of us say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my case before God. And God's going to say, ah, too late. You're, you're supposed to live your case on, on the planet, you know? And, and, and so, again, this, this idea of following Christ and being obedient to him. And it's not a horror and a terror and, and, and a pain and everything. It, it is a joy to love God. And follow God. The simple benefit of never waking up with a hangover again. I mean, that's, that's an awesome thing, you know? And, and, and so we're here this morning, and, and we have the opportunity to say, Okay, God, I hear you, and, and I think it's about time I surrender those things in my life. And instead, choose to be obedient to what you say in your word, I should be doing and not doing. And, and, and so... In all of this, we, we, we see how, how God desires for us to walk in his ways, love him, serve him, follow him. And so it brings up the $64,000 question this morning. Uh, what does Easter mean to us? What is Easter supposed to mean to us? And I'm going to run through these things, and then we're going to close with a word of prayer. When we get to the end of the service, I've got to kind of pull myself away from this, plug in my different guitar and everything, because we're going to close with a, a, a song this morning. Um, and, and if you listen to the words of the song, it talks about really what Jesus did for us on, on the cross. Um, and so what does Easter mean to us? And there's probably five or six highlights in all of this. Uh, and, and the first thing would be Easter commemorates Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Okay, Christmas doesn't do that. Christmas is the birth of Jesus. Christmas doesn't even bring salvation because it's his death and his resurrection that brings salvation. So what does Easter do? Easter commemorates his resurrection from the dead. His victory over sin, his victory over death, his victory over hell, his victory over the devil. And the amazing thing is we get to experience that as well if we embrace Christ. If we embrace Christ and go to eternity in paradise with God, then we have victory over sin, death, hell, the devil. Second thing that Easter does for us is it reminds us that Jesus reestablished the opportunity for a personal, individual relationship with God. Now, especially in the here and now, and then we'll see later, he opened it up for eternity as well. But when Jesus died and rose from the dead and, and brought the opportunity for eternal life, Jesus opened that door again for us. If Jesus had not done that, we'd, we'd have to have like a high priest once a year coming into the sanctuary where the presence of God dwelt. And, 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 and we may have had to buy bus tickets for Jerusalem. Or, or something like that, to, 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 to see God uh, dealing with our sin and everything. But, but when Jesus died on the cross, as we'll see, he did it one time for all of humanity forever. 
to, to pay that price. And so Jesus opened the door to an individual relationship with God. Now that's one of the blessings. That's one of the benefits. It's the one, of, one of the perks. Because the Bible says this. If we embrace Jesus as Savior and we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, we have this relationship with God. Until we do that, until a human being ever embraces God through Christ as Savior, he does not have that relationship with God. Now, God loves him, but this person has never initiated the relationship with God that God is desiring for them. And, and, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that describe how this process took place. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, Matthew 27:50 says, Jesus cried with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He died on the cross. And in Matthew 27:51, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. See, in those days, in the temple in Jerusalem, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. It was a, a room behind that curtain. The, whole, uh, the, the, the high priest went in there to make sacrifice for all of Israel's sin. And only the high priest could do it, and only once a year, in a sense, he had a relationship with God, but no one else did. And they only had their relationship because of the high priest. So he would go into that Holy of Holies. He'd go through that veil, through that curtain. Curtain was about 60 feet high. They say it was made of intertwined fabric. It was about four inches thick, some people believe. So a 60-foot curtain, four inches thick, and, and it was torn in half when Jesus died, the moment he died. I like to describe it by saying it was the hand of God kind of torn apart. Okay, And what God was saying was, this is no longer the case. You are no longer barred from my presence. But because of Jesus' flesh, I've kind of torn through anything that would keep you from meeting with me. So as you embrace Christ as Savior today, you have that personal relationship. Now, Jesus doesn't come to my house and have coffee with me, okay? You know, and, and if I go to Duluth, he doesn't ask if he can come along and ride in the car with me or something. But I have the presence of Christ in my life all the time. And I have 24-7 uh, offering op- openness opportunity to God that, that, that he promises any time, day or night, he is going to hear me. I, I can fellowship with him. And that's promised only to the one who is born again of the Spirit. You know, and, and, and so it's a relationship that some miss out on or, or some choose to miss out on. And, and it says when, when, that, when that curtain tore, when that veil tore, that, that those who witnessed it, because it was earthquakes and all kinds of things, uh, what they said was truly that's the Son of God. So we don't have to doubt, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to question if Jesus was the Son of God, because they just said that, that can only happen, that the temple being, being uh, opened up uh, for, for all of mankind, it can only happen because this was the Son of God. Now Hebrews 10 explains that. It says, after Jesus died one time for the sins of everybody, he sat down at the right hand of God. And then God says, here's the covenant now. Here's here's how things change because Jesus has now died for the sins of humanity. 
God says, I will make a covenant after those days where Jesus died. I will put my laws into people's hearts and in their minds I will write them. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And therefore, brothers and sisters, you can enter the holy place where, where, where God lives with boldness because of Jesus, you know? And, and, and so um, in, in that day before the veil was ripped, the presence of God, God's dwelling place was behind that curtain in the temple. He lived there. But humans couldn't go visit him because they'd, be, they'd basically be struck dead from his, his glory. But, but God says, now that my son has died for your sins and it's become an individual and a personal kind of thing, he says, you have opportunity to come boldly to me anytime you desire. So um, when, 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 when Jesus died and his sacrifice as payment for our sin, was sufficient and complete. Jesus' death on the cross was enough to, to forgive us of our sins, and it did so totally and completely. When, when, when Jesus died, uh, the temple veil was miraculously torn in two, showing that we could now have personal access to the holy presence of God in our lives by way of Jesus. So that's, that's the invitation every one of us has to this personal relationship with God. Verse 16 in there tells us that, that we can know good from evil. We can know right from wrong. We can know holiness from sin because it's going to be written in our hearts and our minds. And so you don't have to get a copy of the Bible and, and say, okay, I got you know, to look that up and find out what, what I better not do because God's written it in your heart by the Holy Spirit. I, I don't have to really wonder if I'm doing something, if it's right or wrong. I got a pretty clear impression of what God desires, what he even expects or requires. But you can't have that if you don't have the Spirit of God in you. If, if you're not born again uh, spiritually, you don't have that presence of the Holy Spirit to lay those things out for you. And in 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, Nobody knows the, the, the things about a man better than the spirit of man that's within him. So the same way, nobody knows the things of God other than the spirit of God. So we no longer have just the spirit of the world. We have the spirit who comes from God. That we may know the things that are given to us by God. The unbeliever doesn't receive those things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He can't even understand them because they're spiritually discerned. You know, and so the, the word tells us if, if, if we've got friends or family that have never accepted Christ as Savior, they, they've never chosen to receive that, that gift and that promise, it says they can't begin to understand spiritual things because the Spirit of man can't reveal it to them. Only the Spirit of God can, and that comes with being born again. Verse 17 references our, our forgiveness of sin. You know, and, and that's the amazing thing, you know, because as a believer, sometimes a believer worries and says, boy, when I get to heaven and God starts telling me about all, all the stuff I did, that's never going to happen. Because you're going to get to heaven and you're going to say, God, what about all that stuff I did, you know? Uh, re re remember when, 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 when I did this? And God will say, no, I don't, I don't remember. Because 
He's washed that clean and forgotten it completely. And, and we can live outside of that weight, that burden, that guilt for anything like that. And of course, verse 19 says we can enter boldly. And it happens for all of eternity. Because Corinthians tells us that Jesus died and he rose again to demonstrate, to prove that we could as well. And the Bible says one day Jesus is going to return. And when he returns as a resurrected Savior, we will also, who believe in him, will be resurrected and go to be with him forever in eternity. Okay? And so we're, we're going to be closing in, in just a minute from now. And I will invite my, uh, my two partners...